Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. It is week 14. Your Detroit Lions are 4-1 and one in their last 5 and now, what, 5-7? and seven? So we got a lot to talk about. But before we do, let me introduce myself. I am Jeremy Risman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online with me to answer all your very optimistic Detroit Lions questions this week <laughs> is uh, Managing Editor of Pride of Detroit at Eric Schlitt on, on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. Good afternoon. It is. It is a good <laughs> afternoon, uh, to to modestly put it. Uh, people are feeling pretty darn good about this team after they took a whooping to the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars to the tune of a 40-14 victory. One of the, the more complete wins we've seen from this team in, in quite some time. And now, apparently, and, and I'm just going to go right to this question because that optimism has spilled over into week 14, yeah, because while the Vikings opened up as a one point favorite over the Detroit mm-hmm. Lions, that line is now Detroit by two and a half. And so <laughs> Griefo on Twitter asked, how crazy is that? <laughs> it's very, very crazy, right? Um, yeah. It's it's you know, it's not just a couple of Lions fans like putting some money down, like to move the line three and a half points in 24 hours um that's that's got to have some serious money on it right and they're like the type of money that like you have to like take a a second and be like okay hold on (laughs) might be something here more And, and maybe it's just people reading into the uh you know the analytics as as we've been starting to dive into early this week and looking at things like DVOA numbers and uh, how they've been playing over the last five games compared to how the Vikings have been playing over the last five games. And so it's a lot of, uh, a lot of people donning the uh, Honolulu blue this week. Yeah. And, and to just expand on some of that, the the DVOA numbers, not just for the past five weeks, for the entire season, the lines are ranked 13th in DVOA. So they are the 13th, best team according to DVOA. And in case you don't know what DVOA is, it's basically basically a down a, a play-to-play efficiency metric. It, it measures efficiency on every individual play. It also adjusts to strength of opponent, which I think is uh the thing that that I'm the, the reason why I like it more than others. So Lions are 13th. Eric, do you know where the Vikings are? My guess is early 20s. 24? 20th, exactly. Oh okay. Yeah. So yeah, like uh, the Lions are a better team by DVOA than, than the Vikings and, and considerably so. And, and that's for the totality of the season yes. too, right? Not even the last five weeks. So that's including the shutout against New England. That's right. including the one and six start. Yeah. And they're still 13. Like if you look at where they are over the last five games, 
It's even like it's it's like they're six. They're six. Take a take a cold shower type of stuff, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, yeah. So they they've been playing very well, and I know a couple people have said, you know, is it is strength of a is the strength of opponent over the last five games playing into that? Well, certainly. I mean, it's playing into that they're sixth over the last five games, um, but it also speaks to the fact that they've, you know, had a really tough early schedule. And if you recall, I mean, outside of that Patriots game, they were in a lot of these games, right? And they were taking some of the big guys to the toe, you know, toe to toe to the end. Like, who are the best two teams? Who, who's the best team in the NFC? It's the Eagles. They went toe to toe with them. Who's the second best team in the NFC, according to, uh, you know, your record? Well, it's the Vikings. They went toe to toe with them. Who's the best team in the AFC right now? Well, according to record, it's the Buffalo Bills, and they went toe to toe with them. Like, Dallas Cowboys. Well, the the Cowboys right up until they imploded, right with like four minutes left or whatever sure. it was, right? But they were close. Um, they were. It was. It was like it was a one score game until they decided that they didn't like holding onto the ball. Um, <laughs> um, but like they've been able to punch above their weight. Um, you know, at least you know from a from a record standpoint, at least from you know from like what most expectations were. And so you're starting to see the fruition of, of a lot of hard work. Yeah. And and listen, like that's that's the positivity on, on the Lions side. And I don't think there needs to be any negativity coming from Minnesota, but there remains the same yeah. questions that have been there for all season, which is like, how are they getting away with this? How are they winning every single one score mm-hmm. game? I think they're nine and oh in one score games or something like that. It, yeah. And, and so that also means they're not blowing anyone out. Nine of their 10 right. wins come by one score games. We all know Mm -hmm. what happened when the two teams faced each other in week three. So, I mean, there is a level of skill to finishing games, I think. Certainly. But I think there is also a fair amount of luck. Like that's just how the NFL works. And so it does seem like there's a little bit of a house of cards that this Vikings team is built on, but not, I mean, not to a point where like, Oh, this is like, this is clearly a top four team in the Mm -hmm. NFC. Yeah. They, it's it's got a lot of like Giants game feel to it, right? right? I mean, yeah. in, in a lot of ways, because the Giants were winning in a lot of the same ways that the Vikings were winning, and they were a team that was finishing games, and and, and like you said, that that's a skill to be able to finish those games, and, and and you get comfortable when you're winning nine of the games that you're in in, in close games. Like you learn how to not panic. Um, problem for the Vikings is, is that the Lions have learned that skill as well. Yeah. And, and so, and, and apparently after last week, uh, they've learned that if you just keep your right foot down, the accelerator just keeps going. Yeah. And so um, it's nice to see that too, because I, I gain a lot of respect for Dan Campbell for the, the play and Dan Campbell and, and Ben Johnson for the, the game yeah. that they called on, on Sunday. There was a lot going on uh, in a positive way. And, yeah. and you're starting to see, what a healthy team this look, this was the vision of, of Brad Holmes, right? Like he, this was his offensive vision. Was it, if we have healthy guys, this is the type of thing. And I still don't think they're even hundred percent. Like you're still missing your right guard. You're still missing. I still don't think Swift's all the way back. You okay. know what I mean? Like he looks yep. back, but he doesn't look all the way. I mean, health wise, he's almost there, but he's not there from an acclimation standpoint. And so okay. you're not all the way back, but this was kind of, what I think the goal was when you go into the offseason is this is what we wanted to accomplish on offense and, and the defense is going to come. And, and you know, what have we talked about? If if they can be middle of the road, 
or you know low 20s then great and they're playing above low 20s right now and so uh though that combination is is really the goal of of where they I think what they wanted to accomplish in the offseason that's that's you're starting to see all of that talent come come back from injury and and it's just it's starting to uh starting to piece together at the right time. Well, let's let's move back to the offense here because a, a mm-hmm. lot of people have had this question um and I, I addressed it on my my sixth or seven things I'm thinking right now and, and it's the the future of Ben Johnson because listen he's he's making noise. People are starting to pay attention nationally. Um yeah. And, and so, I, you know, I guess since I've already answered it on on the on the website, I'll let you take a three pronged cr- question. One, you, you do you think there is a, a legitimate likelihood that that not only he gets an interview but maybe lands a job this upcoming off season? Two, do you think he deserves it? Three, do you have an idea of what the Lions' succession plan should be? Uh, first, I absolutely think he will get an interview. Like, I don't think there's a question about that. He should get an interview, multiple interviews in, in, in the next uh, couple of head coach cycles, right? Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't get one this cycle, very good chance he, he, he continues to get one, right? Um, does he deserve it? Yes, I think so, right? Like, this is a guy who has coached multiple positions on offense. He's been uh, coaching for a decade in the league, and he is a guy who has a lot of connections with head coaches and it's not just dan campbell it's it's zach uh taylor yeah. it's taylor and with, with the Bengals, right um he's got connections to and then that tree kind of splits off into, into categories as well and so um there, there's a, a a litany of experience that, that ben johnson has and so yes um you could argue like i i, I know Mike McDonald, uh, the the Dolphins coaches, is, is the guy that a lot of people like look at and say, "Oh, he was only, you know, like that one year guy, and, and did he deserve it?" But if you look at his history, like he his his long history with the Shanahan's, and he's been doing it a long time. And this is and Ben reflects that. I think he's Thank got you. that history. Yep. So yes, does he deserve it? I I do think he does. I do think he will get interviews. I don't know if he will land a job. I think that's too hard to predict. Right. Um, but I do think. He's going to be in the conversation for for a lot of teams. Uh, the last part was that third part was of that question. What what's the what line succession plan if they have one? Yeah, I, one, I right? don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know that they do. I think we all kind of saw Ben as a guy, uh, you know, behind um, Anthony Lynn when when they first got hired um, because of Dan's history with him. Um, I know a lot of people are going to say Deuce Staley makes a lot of sense, but I actually think Deuce has more power in his assistant head coach role. Right. Um, I also think he's better suited, right? Like he seems like a better suited yes. leader than necessarily a, a play caller. Guy. Right. Correct. <clears throat> um, so uh, I don't think it's Brunel. I don't. I, I, I mean, look. Yeah. I, I don't think is I love Hank Fraley to death. <laughs> I, can Hank Fraley call an offensive game plan? I have no idea. Tanner he can, co- he can coach the crap out of an offensive line. Uh, Tanner's too young. I mean, look, yeah. he's only like you look. You can Tanner goes back to Harbaugh. So you've got you've got Harbaugh. You've got Campbell. You've got he's he's building his resume and he's on the Ben Johnson path. But I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's to that point. But I mean, look. They wouldn't give him passing coordinator duties if they didn't think Tanner uh, yeah. Engstrom was was uh, 
uh, an up and coming coach, right? Sure. Um, I don't think it's Randall L. I think he's too early. So, yeah, th- I, it's possible this is an outside the organization type of hire if uh, Ben Johnson does leave. Is do you think there's any chance that that Dan Campbell would reassume play call duties? Duties. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, that that's a good question. I think it would really depend on what their approach was. If they promoted yeah. from within. I think he'd be in the mix um, to want to assert himself a little bit. If they hire from outside the organization, I think they would do that with the understanding the outside hire would have the the control. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because I think a lot of Lions fans and understandably so have been like, obviously they're concerned about this. Ben Johnson, I think deserves a ton of credit for what the Lions are doing. Not yeah. to take anything away from the players, but I think he's done a, a really good job calling plays. There's a reason why this team is first in red zone efficiency. There's a reason why their third down efficiency has been better as of late. He's growing as a play caller and I and he's scheming people open. And you just talk to anyone yeah. in, inside that organization and they just rave about the guy. I mean, you all yeah. saw Jared Goff come up behind Ben Johnson after they had just hung 40 on, on the Jaguars and just give him a big old hug. Well, there's a reason for all that, right? And Johnson's making him a millions of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> That's why we'll, we'll get to Jared Goff in a minute here, but um, I just think there there's a, a certain level of confidence. And I think Lions fans have, because this team has done a pretty good job building coaching staff. And I know they've already fired two people in two years and maybe that doesn't look great on them, but I think there's a confidence that, that Dan Campbell has enough connections that he's just going to find a new person. And maybe that is true. I think that's putting yeah. a little bit too much faith into just like, these Ben Johnson's don't grow on trees. I don't, I don't truly believe Correct. that they do. Um, Correct. But, but I, I do think maybe he's, maybe Dan Campbell's earned at least a little bit of faith here. Yeah. He's got like, he's, I think he, the, the, what you pointed to there about his connections, I think is the biggest feather in his cap right. is, is his, his reach is, it was one of the things that um, people pointed to when, yeah. when he was hired was that he knows a lot of people in the NFL and he knows a lot of what their talents are. And I'm sure he has a list of people that he's interested in and inevitably coaches come become free because of uh, organizational changes. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure he has somebody in mind if it does come to that. It's this, it's, it, it's a similar type thing that we saw with Glenn though last year. I mean, everybody was like, Glenn was the hot hire, the hot guy to look at and everything. Right. And then it, everything backed off and now it's, they've cooled their jets a little bit. And in my opinion, I think they should heat up again uh, the way this team has been playing. Right? That's also true. Um, um, but but I, the, the main difference though, to me, it's like, it's an offensive coach, right? Like that. Yeah, make, yeah, that yeah, makes that's a difference. the NFL. That's yeah. the NFL right mm-hmm. now. You want the young, yeah. hot offensive minded coach. And mm-hmm. is there anyone more hot than Ben Johnson in terms of offensive coordinator right now? I don't know if the answer. No, is I don't think so. Because the, the startling thing is, is when you look at the numbers, like the scoring offense and all that stuff, and you think it, it, you might often forget that they put a goose egg up against right. the Patriots. <laughs> right. And if he doesn't put a goose egg up on that game, that I mean, all those numbers are are significantly top better. Top ten, right? Right, right. I mean, he's like fourth in certain, like uh, yeah. he's in top four in a lot of these things and where he would be like in the top two. And like, yeah. So I think Johnson is the, uh, the coach that everybody's going to be, you know, wringing their hands over this offseason. Yep. All right. Uh, let's stick with the offense. we got a couple questions about wide receivers here. Um, first one comes from mountain biker. How much more JMO involvement can we expect to see this year? Little bit. Uh, <laughs> little, little bit. <laughs> what are, did you um, did you listen to to Campbell on ninety seven one this morning? I did not. 
I did. And he talked a little okay. bit about it and I was going to write something about it. And then I got sidetracked by a million other things like, like I All tend right. to do. Enlighten um, me. Yeah. I mean, so he, he wouldn't commit on the gunner stuff, whether sure. that, whether that was a thing going forward. It sounded like mm-hmm. he's backing off a little bit, but basically he yeah. said like, yeah, we're going to give him more next week and then mm-hmm. we're going to give him more and then we're going to give him more. Yeah. And like, and so, yeah, I think maybe as early as, as the next week in New York, he might be starting. I would not be surprised. Obviously it, it depends on, on how he performs, but like what, certainly eight, 10 snaps against, against the, the, eight. the Jaguars. And eight. I, I think he was in for both victory formations, by the way, based on what <laughs> Campbell said um, in, in his press or in, in his 97 one <laughs> interview. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like not 20, 15 to 20 next week, probably this week. So, I, I think the easiest way to look at him is to look at how they utilize Jerry Jacobs. Right. Um, and, and Jerry was thrown right into the gunner mix in his first game. And I think a lot of that is part is the, is part of the acclimation process. Right. right. Um, I think you noted it. Uh, you touched on it a little bit in your thoughts. Uh, I think Baumgartner touched on it a little bit in, on Twitter as well. Um, but you're, you're, putting him in a situation where you're trying to get his feet wet and you're trying to get him exposure to, to the game. Now, as you increase his role on offense, you, you know, you don't need to lean on other ways to find, to get him involved. And uh, the difference though, between Jerry and, and JMO is, is that the defense needed Jerry quick. And so Jerry's, Jerry's uh, exposure got amped up awfully fast, but as we've seen, um, last week, uh, Jerry had hundred percent of snaps, but the three weeks prior, he was splitting duties with like Mike Hughes. Right. And I think that's kind of what you can expect is that there's going to be a couple of weeks where he starts getting amped up. It's got a much, much more talent in front of him than, than Jerry had on defense. And, um, so, you know, yeah. Can he go from eight to 20? Certainly. Can he can he take snaps from Khalif Raymond? Absolutely. Can he take them from um, Josh Reynolds? Probably. Right. Um, But I think it's still going to be a couple of weeks of him like splitting duties. He uh, look, he may not start the year or he could start for Jets. It it just we don't know. Right. Like it just it really depends. But I think having the, the talent in front of him at wide receiver allows the coaches to be patient with him uh much to the chagrin of the fans right and and, let's and myself <laughs> it's tough to be patient with a guy that that can be as exciting as him but um oh, yeah, the, the, the one receiver we didn't really mention there is come for our next question from indy smith on on twitter says what does dj chark need to do for the rest of the season to get an extension obviously he has a big game mm-hmm. against his former team which i think i think that was an overplayed kind of storyline I, th- I think it was really James, yeah. like, DJ Chark was really feeling healthy for the first time since week three and sure. his motivation based on what he was saying to the media was like, I need to prove to myself I can do this. I need to prove myself that the injuries are behind me. I need to prove myself that 2019 year where I was a pro bowl guy is not far. I need like, I'm 26 years old for God's sake. Don't bury my career yet. And so uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think that was a, a big step in that direction. And honestly, like, I know there are some people that they're like, okay, this was a waste of money. It was another whiff in free agency from, from Brad Holmes. The guy played two and a half healthy games 
before mm-hmm. before last week, before the Jaguars game. Let's see how he does down the stretch. And and yeah, let's let's go. Let's move on to the question. What do you what do you think he needs to do to potentially stay here in, in 2023? I I want to make sure that we don't undersell what he did against the Jaguars too, because yeah. um their corner, their uh Thompson, right? Their starter, Tyson their their CB right? Tyson Campbell, Tyson Campbell, Thompson, Tyson Campbell. He had been he had gone into the week only allowing like uh six receptions in five in the previous five games and i know like if you look at pff i think they only credited him a uh, chark with having two receptions against campbell uh according to my eye test it was at least four <laughs> um but so like i don't know if they just didn't count him as being in coverage or whatever they came up with like i think pff said that that head-to-head was like they gave chark two for 19 in my in my mind, that forty one yarder right off yeah. the bat that was against him. Like I don't I understand so where that went. Yeah. Right? right. Um. Right. So this was a very talented up and comer that he was head on head against, and uh, he did very well against him. Now you move into your next opponent and the next one after that, and can are are those opponents going to put? CB1 on Chark. And if they don't, he's got an opportunity to be even more successful because there's going to be a lot of them that are going to say, we have to account for St. Brown because St. Brown is just assassinating us I mean, people over the middle. I mean, I, like, it's just... Yeah, not to look too far no, down the road, but I'm, I'm just right. thinking Sauce Gardner against the Jets. Like, wh- where does he go? Does he go against Jibo? Gonna, does he go against Amon Ra? Does he go against well, Chark? Well, that's the thing is I don't think he, I don't think he can travel to St. Brown, and that's the beauty of uh, of JMO yeah. is that just the threat of JMO is going to draw that attention, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think Chark has to just he has to stay steady at this point. If he can stay steady and take advantage of, you know, when when he doesn't have the top guy or maybe if look, if he has the top guy and he still stays steady, that's great. That's going to get him there. You listen to that post-game speech. He absolutely loves it here. Yep. I mean, he loves it here. And, you know, I think whether he goes into free agency or whether he resigns with Detroit, his price tag is going to come down because of his injuries. Yeah. But how much is it going to come down? I don't know. Will they give Detroit a discount? It's possible because, I mean, when you care about where you're at and you think it elevates you, uh, the there's opportunity. Mm, mm, the team. That, that's me doing a crescendo Dan for – Campbell as, uh, Ascension, right? Ascent, yeah, for um, the, the podcast yeah. listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I do – what does he have to do? Stay steady, man. Let St. Brown's going to eat. Like that's just the way this team operates. And if he's number two behind St. Brown, you got a chance to get resigned. I agree. All right. We'll take a break here. That was an extra long first segment. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your Lions questions as we head into week 14 against the Vikings with a surging five and seven Detroit Lions team. We'll be right back. And we are back on our midweek mailbag week 14 heading into Vikings week against my better judgment. Eric, I am going to start this segment with a couple of draft questions. Ooh, 
Uh, the first one of which <laughs> comes from someone named Russian Bot, but uh, also generic user 216 is their Twitter name, which <laughs> fantastic, by the way. Uh, so it's assuming the Rams pick is top three and they take uh, Carter or Anderson. Is it crazy to trade up a few picks later to then take a quarterback? Mm. We probably well, need to trade at least next year's first and some later round picks. I don't. I mean, they went from thirty to twelve or 31, 30, 32, 32 Jeez, to, yeah, to twelve, and they gave up. Yeah, they gave up what a second rounder, like in like and uh, like a couple day two picks, like yeah, yeah, right. Like, I don't even know if you necessarily if you're if they're picking in the teens to move up a few spots isn't going to cost you a, a, a first rounder the following year. It's not, I mean, look, it's not, no, stop. It's not, <laughs> um, you know, just call Minnesota wherever. Uh, well, there's Minnesota. a difference of jumping to are. 12, then to like seven, right? Like, but, it, but, it, but the question was a move up a few spots. If you're picking in the teams and you're only moving up a few spots, then it's not okay. going to cost you first. Okay. If you're talking about jumping up into the top 10. Okay. Yeah. Now, now you're starting to do it. Yeah. Um, here's, here's the thing. If you like a quarterback that much that you're willing to jump back into the top 10, you're probably taking them at, at three. three. You know what I mean? Like yeah. on earth two or whatever it is. Right. Four, I think right now. So, I don't think they would jump up for a quarterback. Now, could they could they still jump up for somebody? Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't rule that out. Like if the Lions are picking 20 and they see a guy they like and they want to jump up and get him, I absolutely think that Brad Holmes has shown that he he was willing to be aggressive. Um, if it was a quarterback, though, just because the quarterback is such a different animal of a pick, like you don't if, – if he's good enough for you to trade up to take in the top 10, then, then he's good enough for you to take it three, four, whatever the pick is going to be. So I wouldn't think that they would trade up for a quarterback, but I wouldn't rule out that they trade up a couple of spots for somebody else. Yeah. I I'm, I'm with you. And this is something mm-hmm. that I said last year, right? When the discussion was, yeah. Yeah. You know, do the line take a quarterback at 32? I'm like, well, if he's good enough for 32, you just take him at two. Like, I know it's a big difference, but the, sure. the, the one thing that throws a kink into this where I'm just like, okay, I would consider it is, is Carter, right? Because I want Carter a whole lot. Yeah, he's 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 a ton of fun, and that's like, that's something that last and, and, draft was missing. It, it was missing in yeah. You didn't have these two guys, one hundred percent elite guy, game changer. No, no offense to to Aiden well, and, and all these you, guys. We also I, we also didn't think Aiden was going to fall. Right, we right. didn't think Aiden was going to drop the two at right. that time either. So go ahead. Sorry though. So yeah, no, just like the the prospect of having just such a game wrecker like Jalen mm-hmm. Carter makes me at least consider the scenario where just like, okay, mm-hmm. we're not going to have an opportunity to get a guy like this who fits what we want to do, who can really take this defense to now a, a defense that is playing at least average football and maybe move you into the top yeah. 10 discussion as quickly as next year. And then you yeah. like, okay, then like you're sitting at six and seven and you're, you're comfortable with a couple quarterbacks. You already have a trade in place around that time so that, you know, one of your guys is probably going to be there. And even if they're not, you're like, okay, we don't feel terrible about, about Jared Goff. Maybe we just sit pretty and 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 deal with the fifteenth pick or whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. something that I would consider. It, but but like you, I'm 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 more of the belief that if you truly believe in this quarterback and and you have the draft capital, you you just take him at the top. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm with you. Uh, I I still think though that if they like a quarterback, if they think a quarterback's a top ten quarterback, they're going to take him because the yep. quarterback is the difference, right? Yep. Um, at the same time. 
if 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 uh those those guys are just so good those defenders are the pair of them yeah. are just so good it's like you just it, they are difference makers realistically and, and and i'm the longer we get in as we start to get into this draft process i think we're going to see a shift in how people view the quarterbacks in this class um just talking to dane last week has given me some pause uh, on a couple of the uh a couple of the quarterbacks, most notably Stroud. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to think that teams maybe are a little bit more wishy-washy than 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 uh you know the analysts are, and that there's a few more flaws to his game. Um, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't I don't think Dane said this to us, but I I did read this from Dane somewhere where he essentially said the Lions might look at Stroud and and see that while he the only thing that he does better than Jared Goff is have a lower price tag uh, or I'm paraphrasing, right. but that's essentially what he was alluding to is yeah. that there it, it, are you going to spend your top five potential pick on a guy who's all you're doing is saving capital. And so I don't know. And if that's how the league views him, there's going to be a lot of teams that, um, are going to want to go after Stroud because he's he's a, he's a starting quarterback potential in the NFL. But if you're a team like Detroit who has Jared Goff under contract for a couple more seasons, and you only and you don't think that this is an upgrade, then I don't know. I don't I don't know how 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 that's going to change. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how this draft process plays out because I, I I am getting this inkling that the quarterbacks are not as uh, tempting as we had originally thought of three, four months ago. Well, going off of that discussion, there's been a lot of questions about Jared Goff this week because he coming off maybe yeah. one of his best games as a Detroit lion. So yeah. the question is now, and, and I know we're going to pose this to pride Detroit readers later this week. Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, like, Okay, is 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 he back in the discussion of being the Detroit Lions quarterback of the future? I think he's in the discussion, certainly. I think he always has been, though. Even when he was having his downs, uh, the down parts of, of this season, I think he was in that discussion. Um, is he the long-term answer? That I still don't know. I, I still am not sold on the fact that he is a guy that is going to elevate your team to the next level. Right. At the same time, he is a top 15 quarterback. And that is something we've said all year, right? Yeah. I know, I know we get hammered for being critical uh, of, of golf. And some of our staff is a very, very critical of golf. And I get that. Um, but I, but the two of us, we have said he is a top 12 to top 15 quarterback. We've said this consistently since he was came over. And so, if you are in a spot where you think that there's a, a quarterback of the future in this class and you have a top 15 quarterback in the league, you might not feel the need to move on from him, right? Especially if you can get better in other areas. So I don't know exactly what their game plan is going to be. I could see it going either way. And it really comes down to what do they view the 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 uh, upside of this class is if they look and they say, Hey, there's only one quarterback that we think is better than him or has a better long-term outlook than him. And he, and if they think he's going first overall, 
then they're not going to they're they're just going to sit back and they're going to take a what's going to be a very reasonable 30 million dollar contract. And I know 30 million sounds ridiculous, but like that's like middle of the road top 15 type quarterback money and they can sit on that. And if they end up somebody falls in their lap, well he's got they got an easy out on his contract, right? Like I don't think he's necessarily the guy for the next decade, right? Right. Now could I don't know, maybe he'll maybe he can be. But I do think he could e- very easily be the guy for the next two years. Um, if they don't, it just really depends on how they view the, the quarterbacks in the next couple of draft cycles. Yeah. And I think, I think that the thing that everyone gets caught up on is, is the contract, right? Is because there's, there's nothing more valuable than, than a franchise quarterback on a rookie deal. And that's, that's correct. Yeah, you're right. hundred percent. That's a lot easier said than done though. Right? Like Mm -hmm. it takes a while, like even, even a guy, you know, that, that we just saw last week in, in Jacksonville, like Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Justin it's Fields taken, too. It's, yeah. it's taken him two years to get where the point where he's at now. And he's still working through it. Yeah. That takes two years to develop a, a franchise quarterback. And by then mm-hmm. you're only going to get what one or two years of like elite level play. If they're that guy yeah. on that rookie deal. And that's, that's best case scenario because a lot of worst mm-hmm. case scenarios are he's gone by year three. He's mm-hmm. gone by year four. You failed. Mm-hmm. You you have thrown Jared Goff to the the wasteland to take a lottery pick on a quarterback, and now mm-hmm. you're you've set your rebuild back to three years. It's an incredible cool. risk. And I and listen, it's 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 very risky, and that shouldn't scare away a, a talent evaluator. That shouldn't scare away Brad Holmes. But mm-hmm. if you have something in there right now that yeah, it costs you a lot of money, but you've got a lot of draft capital. You've got a really young team across the board that is not costing you a lot of money anywhere outside of the offensive mm-hmm. line. You have enough money. You can build a different way. You don't have to have the young quarterback on the rookie deal. You can save money elsewhere. There's a million other positions. And mm-hmm. Jared Goff is helping you put up 30 points a game. He's helping you win. He's helping your offense be a top 10 efficient offense right now. And mm-hmm. so there's, a, I, I guess like, People need to to also look at the downside of of deciding to move on from Jared Goff is what I'm saying, because it's easy to look at the bright side. It's very easy to look at the bright side. But but the grass is not always greener and and draft picks, even high quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Don't pan out. And and I don't think there's a guy right now that everyone is 100 percent confident is, is going to is, is going to pan out. And even even if you are, sometimes those don't work either. I I I, I should have while listening to you, it should have pulled up like some quarterback numbers, like who's been drafted recently. But look, of the top young quarterbacks in the NFL right now, Tua took three years to develop. Josh Allen took three years before he was Josh Allen. Um, Mahomes took a couple of years before he was Mahomes, right? Um, Justin uh, um, Fields is in his second year and he's just starting to come into his Trevor Lawrence. You said as, as, as well as you pointed out and it just starting to come in. So like if you draft a quarterback, you have to know that the next probably two years are going to be a learning curve for that quarterback. And if that's not where they're at, um, if that's not where they think they're at in the rebuild, then that might not be worth it to them. Like if you're, and I hate to, 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 bring like the 
like the the this perspective in on like from like Holmes or or, or Campbell, but like if they have a losing season and let's say this season implodes at the end, let's say they end up like not having to lose in a lose. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> let, let me, let me, if they end up having a losing season, let's say they win, they lose two more games. They're going to have a losing season. Right. Um, if you have back-to-back losing seasons in your first two, and then you draft a rookie quarterback and that rookie quarterback doesn't help you. And now you have a couple more losing. How many years, even though you got those five, six year contracts, if you're four years in and you still haven't got a, a, a winning record because now you're you're taking your couple years for your quarterback to develop, that's a job security issue, right? Like, and so and so Campbell and Holmes, like Holmes may get is gonna might get one crack at the quarterback spot, right? And if he doesn't absolutely love a quarterback in this class, why risk it? Add another elite talent to and let Dan Campbell turn you know work with him and and yeah. help them right like for Holmes it just it might not be worth it unless he loves a guy now if he loves a guy great go for it you know put your money where your mouth is and try and turn him and try and develop him as quick as you can give him opportunities try and try and get him going but like at the same time if you only get one crack at it I can't see them like grabbing a guy that they're not like completely in love with. The, the only thing I want to add to the conversation, and, and it's kind of countering my own point, um, because, yeah, it does take young quarterbacks a long time to develop, but the Lions are in a position also to be putting that that young quarterback in just about as perfect of a scenario as they can be, right? They're surrounded by a lot of talent. They're surrounded by a good offensive line. So if there's a team that can maybe fast track a rookie quarterback to to really play at a high level right away. Like I, I think Mahomes is probably yeah. the, the best example, right? That often and 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 I think we make this comparison all the time, right? Is, mm-hmm. is they they have their uh what's his name? The guy that came before Alex Smith. They have their Alex Smith. Yeah. They can now now go get a Patrick Mahomes and make that seamless transition to you know Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes really just hitting the ground running. I think the Lions yeah. are in a scenario where they could potentially do that with a rookie quarterback. Right. I just don't know if a Patrick Mahomes is in this draft. Right. And, 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 and there's a, there's a, a danger to, to that, right? Like the, the, the Kansas city approach is obviously the most successful outcome from, from that. At the same time, if you, if you never, if you end up never falling in love with this quarterback, you run the risk of turning into the, into the Colts, right. Where yep. you're constantly looking for a veteran. And so that balance in between is the tricky part. How do you continue to build your team yet get a quarterback that it can succeed with that team? It's it's a tough balance, which is why, uh, you know, this offseason is going to be fascinating. Yeah, because like honestly, like it, it's 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 a it's a unique approach that that Sheila Hamp took with this total organizational rebuild was she said, I'm going to give, I'm going to give them large contracts and I'm going to be patient with them. That's not the approach most owners have, which is why you see turnover, which is why you see GMs getting fired for, you know, X, Y, and Z to take this kind of slow approach is really how the NFL used to build. Right. And they used to be patient with the, with the GMs and patient with the, with the, the, uh, the, the, you know, the coaches, but you also have to have the right guys in in place. And do they have the right guys in place? It, it looks like it. I mean, 
we're still two years in, so it's hard to be certain, but it sure looks like they have a lot of the right people in place and there's always going to be fine tuning, but this kind of longer approach to, you know, rebuilding, it does reflect, I think a little bit more of like what they've done in Kansas city. And so, yeah, it's really going to come down to like what you said, do they think that there's a Mahomes type of, you know, quote unquote player that they are quarterback that they can, that they can acquire and then sit behind golf. And, you know, you've got golf for two more years. So that means you've basically got two more drafts, right? True. Um, and then if you better draft capital, then you're going to have this year though. Well, but then it gets tricky. Like everyone talks about trading up. What if you trade back? You know, what if you're trying to acquire different picks? What if you're trying to go, what if you try and take the opposite approach, which I don't necessarily think they're going to do. I think Holmes is going to stay aggressive, but they could do that. They could try and flip it around. They could, if, if they get to a point where they, they have a, a quarterback that they like, they could maybe try and shed a veteran or two and you know they're they're in a couple in two years they could have a couple of veterans that are high profile veterans that could return some trade value and i don't want to name names but if you look at you know some stat sheets you could probably figure out who i'm talking about and uh they can there there's there's ways around it you know what i mean And, and then maybe you could give up future picks as well to find ways so i i don't think they're married to a quarterback this year, but I do think they have to make that decision sometime in the next probably three years. Um, and, and maybe, <laughs> maybe, right. I mean, I, but I mean like sooner, sooner, sooner than later, is that better? I don't know. Um, but I guess it depends on how far you think yeah. you can go with Jared Goff, right? Because if, if right. you don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff, then, then it needs to be soon. It, it needs to be. Yes. Yes. It needs to be yesterday. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, but I don't know. Like it, we'll, we'll see. Like, I, th- I think we got to close the, the conversation there. It's one we're going to okay. be having for the next five months. Um, <laughs> yes. and, and it's fascinating. Yes. I don't, I don't think there's a clear cut answer. I know a lot of people are eager to get a rookie quarterback in here because it brings in a lot of excitement. It brings in a young guy on a cheap mm-hmm. deal. It might bring some mobility, which I think is something that, that I do think that, you know, is one aspect of the offense that this is missing under Jared Goff, yeah. but it's really hard to complain about the offense right now too. So All right, Mm -hmm. we're going to close things up. Thank you for all your questions. Our live audience will answer a few more off air. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back with First Bite uh, recording with, of course, since it's Vikings Week, week, Arif Hassan, one of our favorite guests. That'll be on Thursday night on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit. But until then, thank you all for listening. Go Lions. It's chaos. Be kind. 